0: of your Bible, you can go ahead and flip to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 2. Um, the past few weeks, we've been talking about this um, series called Heaven is Open. And um, Maybe if you've not been around, you're like, well, what what does that mean? Well, what it means is heaven is, in fact, open. It's just exactly what it sounds like it means, actually, that today, whatever entrance you would think of that's the entrance to heaven, whether that be like the pearly gates for some of you, or maybe like a golden escalator into the clouds for some of you, whatever that is, beside that place today is hanging a sign um, that says vacancies. Vacancies. That today God is still allowing people into that place with him. That, that our, I'm still foolish enough to believe, I guess, that our God is still the God who saves. Amen? That our God is still a savior, that that's what he came to do. And until we leave this place, he's going to be doing that very same thing. And what's crazy, I guess, is I've read this book and it just has me really messed up because I know that, that what we do every week is really not... right really not what he he meant for us see we've made it really like a comfortable easy thing and what we tell people is come and say this prayer and if you said this prayer just sit there forever and keep putting your money in a thing and as long as you show up and put your money in a thing then you're good but like when did Jesus ever say that I guess we've taught people that because we're afraid like if we don't say that and we don't make it easy, then people will not continue to come. And I just want to say Jesus never said it was an easy thing to follow Jesus. Actually, it was totally the opposite, wasn't it? Like take up your cross and follow me. How easy does that sound? Oh you you, you can follow me, but it might cost you everything. You, you can come after me, but but you may very well die for it. And that's it's never meant to be easy, but, but somewhere along the line, churches decided if we didn't make it easy, then people wouldn't come. And if we didn't make it easy, we couldn't have nice stuff. And, and really, here's, here's the reality of it. That's up to God, right. right? Like it's not between me and you if you come, it's between you and God if you come. It's not between me and you if you give, it's between you and God if you give. And, and the Bible says it's not an easy thing to follow Jesus, and I will not make it that so that you will continue to be here. I love you too much. You know, the Bible, it says, like in, 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 in the gospel, right? Word of Jesus. Some of you are going to come to me at the end of your life and you're, you're going to say, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say, depart from me. You never knew me. And you're going to say, but I did these things. I came to church. I listened to Caleb. I, I had a Christian t-shirt even that one time. Remember, I went to Passion. And he's going to say, but I don't know who you are. You were not willing to know me therefore i do not know you and i won't lead people down that path so this word this morning is is a hard word i'm not going to pretend like it's not and i'm sorry if that offends you or, or i'm not really but i'll say i am I'm, we need this And and in reality, we, we look around and we're like, well, God, why do you not do the things that you used to do? Like, you ever read Acts? It's like miraculous what God did. And we're like, well, why do we not see that? It's because we are not the church that God has called us to be. What did Jesus say to the disciples over and over again before the ascension? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. And some of them hit him back with, we're scared. And he said, go make disciples. And some of them hit him back with, they might kill us. And he said, go make disciples. Why do you, why do you think today it's any different? Oh, uh, they might reject me. They might not be my friend anymore. They may they not hang out with me still. And what they endured was far worse than what we will endure. It's not an easy thing to follow Jesus. And if it's an easy thing for you, you're probably not. That's right. And this morning, God is calling us into something that He's been calling us into, you know, since we came to know Him. We talked about last week, we have this ministry of reconciliation. And today we're going to continue that in 2 Corinthians 2. We're just backing up a couple chapters. And He says in like verse 14, there's a title above that. And it says, a ministry of life or death. Like that's the game today, right? It's not a ministry if they might come to church or they might not, because who cares about that? It's not a ministry if they might be good people or they might not, because who really ultimately cares about that? The stakes stakes are much deeper this morning, and it says a ministry of life or death. <clears throat> Second Corinthians was a letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth, a group of Christians, people like us who have said a prayer and who, who say we're followers of Jesus. And this letter deals with like all most of the other letters that he's written. Like, how do we live that out now? Nobody's good at that. That's why there's a whole book that tells us how to do it, right? If you don't read it, you're never going to do it. And then 2 Corinthians 2, he talks about this ministry of life or death. Unfortunately, he starts out with the word but, which means you don't know what's going on right here. But is a transitional word, right? Like two weeks ago, we, we were dead. We were under the power of Satan. We were headed towards the wrath of God, but God, who is rich in mercy, right? That's a transition word. We were this, but now we're this. So we're about to hear like this new thing, but what comes before that? What, what is that transition? So we have to back up a few verses. And it says in 12, when I came to Troas, this is Paul telling a story, right? When I came to Troas, which is a city kind of in the, in the, in the um, western, I guess, corner of Turkey, kind of over near the coast. Troas, a, a Greek city. He says, when I came there. Um, to Troas for the gospel of Christ I was coming to share the gospel I was coming to tell people about who Jesus is it says a door was opened to me by the Lord now you look at that and you're like man that's great hallelujah like I went there to share the gospel and God just flung the door wide open but what we're actually seeing here is a continuation of a story that he tells over in Acts 16 you're like "I, I don't need that context today thank you um but let me just read it for you anyway. 16.6 says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And it says, And were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in the providence of Asia. They went to share the gospel, right? And they were prevented by the Holy Spirit. What in the world, Right? Like, why would you do that? I'm going to share the gospel and you're not going to let me go share the gospel? So he could have packed it up and went home, but he didn't. It says, actually in seven, when they came to uh, Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia. These are great names. (laughs) But the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Here again, right, Paul on a missionary journey, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go, okay, I can't go to Asia, so let me try, like, plan B. I'm going to go down here to Mysia and Bithynia, and it says, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So yet again, right, there's a roadblock. Going to share the gospel, and twice, God's like, "Nope, I'm going to go tell Asia about Jesus. No, you're not. Okay, well, I guess I'll do plan B, Amicia, let's go there, it's going to be great, Bithynia. I, don't, I didn't choose those because I didn't like their name, but I'll go there. He's like, nope. This is so bypassing Mysia, they came to Troas. Now here's where Paul thinks, I'm going to do the ministry, right? Here's the next shot. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell Troas, if you want me to go over there to Asia, I'll just try Troas. Maybe that's the deal. And, and, and this, if we would have just read that, is where we think the door was open, right? no. It says, but during the night, like, right, he's been there like one day, a vision appeared to Paul, and it says a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. Plan C, right? Nope, not it. And finally, he gets some direction. God gives him a vision. He says, we're going to go to Macedonia. So it says in 10, after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. And you're like, okay, well, why do we need to know that this morning? Because that's where the butt comes from, right? It's not from a place of, oh, I went to Troas and everything was great. See, if that's the context of the verse, then it makes everything that's about to be said really easy. But the context of the verse was, I tried to go to Asia, and the answer was no. God didn't want me to go there. Don't know why, he just didn't. And then I tried to go somewhere else, tried to go to Bithynia, and God was like, nope, not gonna go there. And then I went to Troas, I was gonna go to Troas, and then I was gonna share the gospel there, and he was like, nope, not gonna happen. But then he finally showed me, like I've already failed at it three times, and then he finally showed me, no, we're going to Macedonia. Can I just say, like, sometimes the rejection is just on the God end of things, right? And it says that he went to Troas, right? And it says, for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to the Lord in a different place. And he said in 13, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Not only are we getting to failure, 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 but now he's not going to see his friend Titus, and it, it breaks his heart. And it says, but I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia, because that's where God had called me. See, the context of everything we're about to read is not everything's happy, everything's great, I've got it all together, it's going to be an amazing day. The context of what we're about to read comes from I failed and failed and failed. It didn't work out, it didn't work out, it didn't work out. The context of what we're about to read is not I had it all together. The context of what we're about to read is I didn't have anything together. Right? And in this place, it's where he's writing these words to us. I didn't have anything together. I wasn't all put together and all neat and had it all figured out. I was trying to be a missionary, and then God was like, nope. And I was trying to be a missionary, and God was like, nope. And I was trying to be a missionary, and God was like, nope. And then finally, he gave me some direction. And in the trying and the trying and the trying, right, and the repeated, it's not working out, is where this is written. And he says, but thanks be to God it didn't work out but thanks be to God right Right? it was not all together but thanks be to God I was not all neat and trim and put together but thanks be to God my evangelism mission was not the thing that I thought it would be but thanks be to God isn't that crazy when stuff doesn't go your way is that your words out there right there No, right? We are the anti-Paul, right? Oh, well, fine. I'm going to pack up and go home. I'm going to take my toys. I'm going to leave. It didn't work out. I tried the thing, and you didn't do the thing. I was going to bring up Jesus at dinner, but then it didn't work out. So I just, I left, and I didn't do it. Like, that's us, right? But his response is, I didn't have it all together, but thanks be to God. I had no idea what was going on, but thanks be to God. I failed and I failed and I failed and I failed and I failed, but thanks be to God. Amen. Right? Maybe maybe if we could just get that this morning, right? What do we do? Whine? What do we do? Complain? What do we do? Quit? No. Thanks be to God, that's what he says. Why? Why thanks be to God? Thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ. God who always puts us on display. God who always pushes us to the front. God who allows people, is what he's saying, to see how we respond to things. To see our life, to see our actions, to see our behavior, to see our words. This is what he says. Isn't it annoying that people are watching you? isn't it just really like isn't that annoying people are watching you like i'll just be honest people at work are watching you right they know especially if you if you ever utter the words i go to church people are watching you if you ever utter the words like oh i'm a christian right people are watching you they even hear you get out of the car and you're listening to Caleb, and they know what that is or oh they're christian right because people are like waiting for you to screw up isn't that annoying Like, they just want to see you fail. They want to see you fall. They want to see you do something dumb. They want to see you screw up. That's just a reality, right? Like, the world is waiting to see the church screw up. Luckily, they don't have to wait very long, um, but they're waiting on it. And the world is watching the church, and they're watching how we respond, and how we live, and how we talk, and how we act. And that's a reality today. But that's how God intended it. Right? Like, look at what he says. But thanks be to God who puts us on display. But the plan of God actually is that the world would watch the church. The plan of God for you at your work is that people would watch you. And as annoying as that is, like that's his plan, right? The plan of God is that the people around you at your house, they would watch you. The people in your family, they would watch you. The the people at the grocery store, right? they would watch you. That's the plan of God. He says God puts us on display. God puts us in the centerpiece of the table, right? Do you, like when people are coming to your house, do you put, like, garbage in the floor? Just, that'd be great. Like, whoo, right? Hope they like that. That's decorative. You don't do that. When people come to your house, like, you're not like, let's throw all this good furniture outside and bring out the ratty looking stuff. Like, that's not what you do, is it? You, like, clean, right? You, like, get everything ready. You're, like, preparing stuff. You're, like, you get out the stuff you're proud of. Like go buy new dishes, right? Like you, you, you want people to see the stuff you're proud of, not the stuff that you're not proud of. And God's plan, right, is to put us on display, that people would look at us, and people would see the church. And you look at that, and you're like, well, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus do that? Because any, anybody with me, like, I'm a screw-up, Nobody? Okay, cool, thank you. Yeah, just visible. Can we just get a visible this morning? Like, anyway, I'm a screw-up. If you don't have your hand up, you're a liar. Uh, You're a (laughs) screw-up. You are a failure. Uh, You are in the same boat with the rest of us. We are a building full of people that don't have it all together. And that's okay. See, somewhere we've kind of bought into the thing that what we're supposed to do is pretend, right, in front of people... Like, we have it all together. That's why, like, on Sundays, we want to put the tie on, we want to put the jacket I mean, we don't, but most people do. Um, we put the tie on, you want to put the jacket on. It's not really for God. God doesn't care. Um, just doesn't. I don't think Jesus ever wore a tie, so it's not probably a big deal. Um, but, like, we want to put on the show, right? We actually think what we're supposed to display is the fake stuff. Because none of us are good, right? I'm, I'm not good. I don't have it all together. I do not have it all figured out. I am not a, an amazing anything, really. But when we're around people that know we're Christians, right, we feel like we have to put on a front. Like at church, we come in, and you'll ask, how you doing? What do you say? Oh, I'm great. No, you're not, right? Quit lying to you, everybody. No, you're not. I'm not saying give everybody like a 30-minute detailed description of why your life is horrible, but don't say great, right, if you're not. Oh, I'm great. You're like crying. No, you're not great. I can <laughs> see that. Um, but cool. Thank you for lying to me this morning. We're in church, so I know you're screwed up because you just lied. Um, but we want we want people to think that, don't we? That's why church is tiring, actually. There's a bunch of fake people that... Just pretend to have it all together it's not true um, we don't and that's why the world won't have anything to do with it um because what we do is we we go to to work and we pretend like we're not flawed right we pretend like we don't mess up and we pretend like we don't screw up or we go to our family's house and we're like oh yeah brother i'm great i have it all together uh and, and none of that is true and can i just say god's not scared of that god knows that you're broken and you need a Savior. He's never been confused about that. God knows that you do not have it all together. And without him, you're not going to keep anything together, right? And he's never been confused about that. So what is God trying to display to the world through the church? Fake perfection? Fake, I have it all together? No. No. God is trying to display the reality that broken people can still be loved by loving God. Here's what I'm not saying go live it up, do whatever you want to, send it up out there, and just say the name of Jesus every once in a while. If you can do that, you're lost. Come whenever you feel free, you know, just do it. If you can do that, you're lost. But what I am saying is it's okay to be broken. And it's okay to need a savior. It's okay to be a little bit jacked up and need somebody to fix that. Because what do we display to people when we pretend we're perfect? That God only loves perfect people. What do we do when we display that we're good, falsely? That God only loves good people. I heard a story the other day, somebody was telling me, um, they invited somebody to go to church with them and the, the preacher said something about them screwing up or them, them sinning and the person was so shocked. What do, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean the preacher sins? What do you mean, what do you mean he, he messes up? I, I thought all you guys were perfect. And the person had to explain, no, I sin every day. That's the amazing thing about grace. Like I am a screw up, but God loves me in spite of that. See what we display to the world when we pretend like we're perfect is God only loves perfect people and they don't have a spot here. And that's not what God is putting on display. It says, it pleases God to put us on display. Thanks be to God who puts us on display. How? In in a relationship with Christ Jesus. God's not trying to display your feelings, right? Or your actions or your behavior. Some of those things are detrimental to the gospel if you don't know how to act like Jesus. Um, what he's trying to display is that Through Jesus, we have forgiveness and salvation. And he says, thanks be to God for that. Thanks be to God, I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together. Where is he writing this from? I've screwed up. I've tried to go somewhere, he said no. I've tried to go somewhere, he said no. I've tried to go somewhere, he said no. But thanks be to God, even I, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, have grace in God. Even I, Paul, who don't have it all together, Have grace in God. Even I Paul, who don't have it all figured out, right? Has grace in God. It's okay. I would never have wrote that story, would you? Oh, I tried to go here and he said no, I tried to go here and oh, they're gonna think that he doesn't listen to God. The world doesn't think that, just church people. (laughs) So he writes these things. You ever read that part where Paul writes, I'm the chief among sinners? oh, I can't read his writings, Paul's a sinner. The world doesn't think that, actually. It's the church that thinks that. And more often than not, what we display is false perfection and judgmentalism, and that's not what the world wants. What it, the world wants to know is there is hope for me. How do they know that? Because we are broken, and we found someone who can bind us. And he says, but thanks be to God who puts us on display, how? In Christ. And it says, here's why he does that. And spreads through us in every place the scent of knowing him. Why does God put us on display? It's to to spread through the world the scent of knowing him. Why, Why does God put you on display as a Christian at work? So people can just get a whiff of what it's like to know God. Well, why does people put you on display at home so people can get a sense of, right, what, what, it, what, it, what it looks like to know God? See, in reality, this, we are as close to God as some people are going to get. How people are going to see a relationship with Jesus isn't probably for the most part coming in church. That quit working 20-ish years ago, Right? We were talking the other day, there used to be this base kind of level platform of everybody believes in God. Have you noticed how that's eroded over the past few years? Like even people that had no interest in following God at least believed, right, that there was a God. But the cool thing to do is to now believe there's no such thing as God. You know why? Because if there's no such thing as God, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to feel bad about it. So evangelism used to start at the level of there is a God and that God loves you and that God dies for you. Now it starts below that at, hey, guess what? There is a God and they're going to hit you back with it. No, there's not. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. How do you know that? Because I've experienced him, right? Why do you act the way you do? Because I've experienced him. Why do you, why do you live the way you do? Because I've experienced him. Why do, why do you continually have joy when your life's falling apart? Because I know Jesus. And God put you on display, you, the church, people that know Jesus, he put you on display because guess what? There are people that are never going to enter this place that need to know there is a reality of a God who did come and who did love and who did die on a cross and who is saving people. And that's as close as some people are ever going to get. And it says he did that so so that everyone, right, in every place, People would get this scent of knowing God. Do you know, like, if I went over there in the corner and sprayed perfume, everybody in this room would eventually smell it. It just would work that way. Eventually, you would get that scent, except for John. He has no sense of smell. Um, But I mean, everybody else. Can I just say, everybody at your work should eventually know that you know Jesus. If they don't, there's an issue. It says, God put us on display in every place so that people could experience the scent of knowing him. In 15, it says, for to God, here's how God views us, we are the fragrance of Christ. Here's what God thinks about the church. Here's how God feels about the church. Here's the purpose of the church through Paul. We are the fragrance of Christ. We should look like Christ. We should smell like Christ. We should display, right, Christ. We should display what he came for at least or what a relationship with him looks like among those who are being saved, future tense, and among those who are currently perishing. isn't that crazy we should be this fragrance of christ to those who are being saved currently on the process and on the way to being saved but also to those who are perishing and we are the same scent to both people amen like we're not supposed to be one thing here and one thing there is what he's saying Oh, great, you all huddle together on Sundays and you lift your hands and you sing songs and you leave this place and you're just a totally different guy. That's not the image that he's giving us. We're all consistent, or we should be. If you're a different person on Monday, there's an issue and it's not with Jesus. Amen? He says we should be the same everywhere. In other words, worship music comes on at work. Right? Like. I'm going to have Jesus conversations at church. Where else should you have them? I love Jesus at church. Where else should you love Him? This is the same scent, right? This is for we are to God. We are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. God is currently working on and among those who are perishing. It says in 16, to some, we are a scent of death leading to death. Which is what it says, right? To some, we are a scent of death leading to death. It's the same fragrance. It's the same message. It's the same life. It's the same actions. It's the same behavior. And to some people, it's the scent of death leading to death. Can I just be honest with you? Some people are going to die apart from Jesus. It's reality. It, it's a horrible reality, but it's a reality. You're going to know people that die apart from Jesus. It's not everybody's coming. You ever shared the gospel? I, I don't know if any of you have. Or, you know, and I'm not knocking you if you haven't. But you ever shared the gospel and people just look at you and you're like, "It's great. I don't care." Yeah, yeah. Some people are just not going to receive it. And it's not about the message, is it? Because it says we're the same sin. It's not about your ability, is it? Because it says it's the same sin. It's not about how you live your life in front of them. It says it's the same sin. It's not about any of that. If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we're obedient and we're sharing the message and we're living the message, right? Some people, they're going to say no. It's a reality. But it says to others... The scent of life leading to life. But to other people, we are going to be the scent of life leading to life. Some people are going to hear the message and they're going to receive it. I don't know why we're not a little more excited about that. Um, Some people are going to hear the message and they're going to receive it. Is there anywhere in that that says, if you have good enough words, some people will get saved? It's the same scent both times, isn't it? I'll be honest, if God's working on somebody and you say, Jesus saves, that's enough. It's more than some people got. I'll be honest, I I got saved when I was 11, and I couldn't tell you the message at all. But I can also tell you this I heard the gospel probably 4,000 times before that. Probably in better ways sometimes. Probably explained better sometimes. But it doesn't have anything to do with that. To some, you are going to be a scent of death. It's going to lead to death, and that's offensive. Some people are going to get mad, and some people are going to tell you they don't want to hear it, and some people are going to tell you to shut your mouth. Most people are going to just say, okay, cool, whatever, I don't believe that. But maybe some of it will be more hostile than that. But to some people, they are not going to come to know Jesus. And you know who that's between? Them and God. It doesn't have anything to do with you. And to some people, you're going to be a fragrance of life leading to life. And again, it doesn't have anything to do with you. So here's the issue that I have. You ready? How many people have we come in contact with over the course of our time being with Jesus that have been brought into the fragrance of life? Like, real question. Question. Some of you guys have known Jesus for like a month and you're like <laughs> nobody and you know it's been a month so maybe just it's been not very long. Um, some of us, we've known Jesus for like 30 years, 20 years, maybe more. How many people have you come in contact with that have been brought from death to life? And if the answer is zero... What are we doing? Because here's what this word shows us it's not about the message, right? It's not about the content, really, of the message, like how good, well, I guess, capability of the message. It's not on us. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not about our mental capability or our vocal capability. It's just on Him. So, what's the deal? Because see, what we want to do is we want to say, I'm not comfortable with that. I've not been gifted that way. You're just a bottle of perfume. There's no gift in you except what Jesus has done. Like, it's not, it's not an ability or talent thing, and it's not you know, like on a some people basis, right? Does it say in here anywhere that some preachers are a fragrance of life leading to life? No. Does it say in here that some charismatics are (laughs) a fragrance of life leading to life? Does it say that? I didn't see it. Does it say in here that some people who really, really, really study and who really, really, really practice or maybe who have carried around their Bible with bookmarks in Romans for long enough, does it say those people are a fragrance of life leading to life? No, it doesn't, does it? It said, thanks be to Christ who puts us, the church, on display To be the aroma of Christ in every place. And to some people, the aroma will be death leading to death. Some people are going to reject it. But to some people, this is a guarantee. It's not an if you're good enough thing, right? To some people, you're going to be a fragrance of life leading to life. And that's a guarantee. There wasn't a disclaimer in there that was like four preachers only, four singers only, four teachers only, four blank only. There's none of that, is there? See, here's the question we have to deal with this morning. If nobody in the span of our time of knowing Jesus has come to know Jesus, is the problem with the scent Is the problem with the sin? That's hard, I don't like that. But it's true. It's a reality of what it says, isn't it? Can can I just be honest, and I'm not talking specifically about this church. I'll just be honest. I'm 31 years old, and I've been around a lot of churches. I've been around a lot of church people. I've been a church people for a long time. Got saved when I was 11. And here's what I know. Most people that know us that are not Christians don't know that we are Christians, do they? Aside from, I got a Jesus bumper sticker on my car, I wear a t-shirt. Do they know it? Do people walk up to you frequently and say, hey, will you pray for me? People that are not church people, do they do that? Because I'll be honest, if you hold anybody long enough in hurt, they're going to start looking for prayer, even people that say, I don't believe in Jesus. How many people that don't go to church with you or somewhere else do you talk to about Jesus ever? I can even rewind that, right? How many people that do go to church with you do you talk to about Jesus ever? See, in reality, we have reduced this to I'm going to come, right? I'll show up on Sunday and I'm going to sing. I will sing the songs. I'm going to listen. I will listen to somebody talk for a while. I will pray and I will leave. And when most of us leave, we leave any Christianity that we have in this building. We leave all the Jesus conversations that we have in this building. Maybe we take worship music with us. Maybe that's just our style. They didn't have radios when he wrote this. And maybe we like every once in a while we'll throw out a little Facebook deal, right? How brave. (laughs) How brave. But on the day-to-day, how many of us are taking Jesus with us when we go? See, when Jesus talks to the disciples back in Matthew, like the Great Commission, I don't know why it's the Great Commission, because he, he gave it several times, and I'm pretty sure they're all great. He said, as you are going, right, not as you are coming. As you are going, make Disciples. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Not in my teachings, but in His teachings. And then teaching them everything I've commanded you. I've been to church for 31 years, and I've never seen that. And I'm not just talking about you, right? Some of you, maybe you're here because I invited you to church, but... You know, on the day-to-day, I don't, I don't know that I'll go to Wendy's and have Jesus conversations. But this is what God has called us to do. To be a fragrance everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. A fragrance that draws those that God has called to Him. Not your job. Your job is just to share the message, right? You're like a sprinkler. You don't actually get to choose which bra- blades of grass get hit. You just do the thing, right? You don't get to do anything to make them grow. You just do the thing. And if you do your job, <laughs> a lot of them still may die, right? Your job's just to do. It's God's job to call. But what it says right here is that if we do our job that he will call some, doesn't he? But the reason we don't do our job, let me just try to put this out there um, is because we're afraid that no one will come, right somehow some way that's that's the root of it, isn't it? I don't know if I'm smart enough. How many of you, don't raise your hand please. How many of you ever used that excuse? I, I, don't, I don't know if I know enough. Do you know what happened to you? You know enough. You know enough. How many of these people had Bibles? It wasn't a printing press, not very many. You have the ability to know enough if you want to. Some of you don't. You can fix it. You don't just have to sit there but you don't actually have to know enough. I don't know if I'm able to speak enough. I don't know if I'll do a good job presenting it. It's not about doing a good job presenting it. The messages I feel the best about are the ones that people stare at me like I'm an idiot. (laughs) Honest. The messages I feel the worst about are the ones people always text me, oh, I needed that, I needed that. And I'm like, dude, I feel like an idiot. (laughs) Right? It's not about our wisdom... See, the real issue is that we have decided that we don't actually care enough to be a fragrance. We've sacrificed the commission for comfort. God said, go and do, and we want to say, nope, can't, don't have the ability, I am not able, I am not capable, and really, just let me put the stamp on it for everybody. What it really means is, I don't care. If somebody's on fire, I'm going to find whatever water I can and try to put them out. If it's what's in that bottle or if I find a hose, right? I'm not just going to sit there and watch them burn because I don't have enough water. But we're willing to let people die separated from Jesus because we don't think we're smart enough. And here's the thing that is the worst. While the world is marching headlong into hell, the church is setting in pews and seats on Sunday, singing worship songs, and listening to messages. I don't like that. I don't either. But it's true. in reality this morning this is not a thing for a select group of people or people who are smart enough it's for people that know jesus and if you know jesus you've been invited into this and let's just be level with it some people are gonna reject you get over it just just leave it here now get over it not everybody is going to heaven heaven but without the church, nobody is. There are people at your work right now that are ready to hear the message and to receive the message. But there is no messenger at your work. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go on until we say amen, so we could just <laughs> sit here in this moment. There are people right now at your work who are ready to receive the message, but there is no messenger. There are people in your family right now who are ready to receive the message, but there is no messenger. And we can't continue that way. I'm just going to give you a couple of ideas. I know I'm not usually like a practical, let's just throw out the things. If somebody you know is lost and you're more comfortable away from work, Invite them somewhere that's not work. I don't have time. Then you don't care. It's true. If it takes a visit to the Shonies and you have to pay, it takes a visit to the Shonies and you have to pay. Right? If somebody in your family does not know Jesus... You've got to get over it, and you have to share it. And if they never talk to you again, then you can rest in this truth. You shared the message, and they had an opportunity. Amen. If you have a friend that doesn't know Jesus, it's your responsibility to tell them the message of Jesus. And if they're not your friend anymore... That's between them and God, but you can rest in this truth. They had the opportunity, right? Right. Because it's not my job to tell them about Jesus. It's your job to tell them about Jesus. You are the fragrance of Christ in their life. You're the perfume of Jesus in their life, and without you, they are never going to hear it, or they may not. So if it takes a visit to the Shonies or somebody coming to your house or a phone call or even maybe a broken relationship between you and that person, it's just going to take what it's going to take. But we cannot continue to make excuses for why we do not do what God has called us to do. Amen. I I love you guys. Um, I do. And God loves you as well. And he's given you an amazing opportunity to be involved in the salvation story of people around you. It's an amazing thing. We act like we're carrying death. We're carrying the best news there is on the planet. You are going to die separated from Jesus and go into eternity without him if you don't know him. But he came and he died so you could know him. It's the best news there ever is, right? And he's inviting you into that story. And this morning, I just want to be real with you. Um, if we're not willing to be involved in that, then there's no reason to continue to show up. That's right. yeah. Yeah. I don't have another message. You, know, you want to be revival, be one, Right? if there's no desire in us to to see people come to know Him, you you can change your radio station back, right? Because it's a life and death thing. It's not a comfort or not comfort thing. So I just want to pray for you um, today. Uh, If you need to respond to that, you can do that. if if you need to stand and pray for somebody, you, you can do that. If if you need to just say to God, "Sorry, I'm here, um, and I'm going to go," you you can do that. Uh, but before we leave this place, I, I just want to pray for you, um, and you do what you need to do.